fashion. Fashion. Beauty. Beautiful. And you have no style or sense of fashion. My name is Joyce, and I'm a shopaholic. I like my money right where I can see it, hanging in my closet. So I am going to show you guys how I do my makeup. This is my trusty makeup bag. I already have my foundation and concealer on. On Wednesdays, we wear pink. Welcome to Fashion Avenue, the podcast for fashion and beauty lovers to get inspired to follow their dreams by hearing from special guests while also soaking up the latest news and what's trending right now. I'm your host, Amber Lowther. I'm a journalist and fashion professional who understands what it's like to have big dreams and wanting to reach them. In this episode, I'm joined by TV presenter, columnist, author and former Miss Universe Australia, Maria Thetil. I chat to Maria about what she was doing before becoming a well-known media personality, how she overcame barriers within herself and her fashion and beauty favourites. Now, let's jump in. Maria, thank you so much for joining me on Fashion Avenue. How are you? I am so excited to be here with you, Amber. Thank you so much for having me. You are so welcome. I'm really excited to chat to you because you have done so much and I see you all the time on my TV on the Today Show, Today Extra. It's so funny. I'm like, there's Maria again. I see you all the time. So I feel like I know you and I see you on the project. I'm like, I feel like I just know you because I see you all the time. It's so funny. (laughs) And it's so funny that you say that because it's like, girl, like, okay, let's change the channel. It's like, damn it, she's on this network. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's good. I do like watching you. You're very well spoken. I like hearing your views on things. And I'm just like, I just feel like I know you. So it's actually nice to meet you properly now over this. I'm sure so many of your listeners feel that way about you too, because, and I've caught snippets of your podcast, you know, you just, you facilitate really great conversations and you're very warm. Oh, thank you. It feels like you're talking to a friend. And so when you listen to that, it's like, I know this girl. (laughs) (laughs) I know her. So the feeling is mutual, my love. It's so mutual. Oh, thank you. That's so lovely. So I want to, a lot of the time with my guests, I do like to start a question with, tell me about your younger self. So I'm really interested to know about young Maria. What did she like to do? And did she ever think she would be recognized as a media personality, a pioneer? Do you ever see that in your future? You know, no. And when you said that, I just got the biggest smile on my face because I can imagine her. I can imagine my younger self, younger Maria. And even hearing you say, tell me about younger Maria. She wasn't someone who ever felt like people were interested in her like she was beyond my parents who nurtured me so much growing up I was a very very shy kid like painfully shy I remember I had one friend in school who was actually a cousin of my cousin (laughs) and so I felt very safe around this particular girl because I would see her in family circles but I never really felt comfortable at school I think I was a pretty anxious shy kid so I never used to want to talk to anybody I'd just get very nervous and keep to myself so I had my my little friend But other than that, I just kind of kept to myself and from a very young age developed like a hyper awareness of being different in it. And it was in subtle ways that it was communicated to me, but there were little things that would happen that would make me go, okay, something about myself needs to change. So, you know, I remember being in like grade one and having a crush on a boy 
and him passing a remark about how he couldn't like me because of my skin and how it was dirty. And so from a very young age, it was like, I want to be like the white kids. <laughs> you know, I want to look like them. I want to be like them. And so there was a lot of that when I was younger. And then you start to internalize other sensibilities about, you know, all the, the stereotypes around people like you and people expected me to be smart or they made fun of my family and assumed we were like the people from The Simpsons and things like that. And so it kind of was like this very interesting existence of when I was at school and outside, I was very aware that I didn't fit in. But then when I was at home, I was like, okay, these are my roots. Like this is my ethnic background was my roots. It was so obvious to me. And my parents were so nurturing and loving and encouraging, but younger Maria didn't really feel like she fit in, in either space. It's like, okay, I'm aware that my connection to my roots is here, but I don't want to be connected to that because I want to fit in with everyone. And so I think, you know, you don't have to be a person of color to resonate with that. I'm sure so many people feel like, you know, whether it's to do with your size or the area that you grew up in or what your parents do, or it's just, especially if you're, you know, a gender diverse or, you know, a young girl, I think we get these messages so much and it, and it just... Yeah, it can shape how we see ourselves. So younger Maria was very shy, very quiet, and just kind of wanted to keep her head down and not attract too much attention. And that's why when you asked the question, I just sort of thought she would have been like, wait a minute, you want to talk to me? Why, why do you want to know about me? <laughs> so, and that's, and that's the mentality, but it's like everyone has a story to tell and everyone's story is beautiful and it's valued and there are differences we can learn from commonalities we can find but I didn't see that as a young kid I thought the differences were what made me you know uh, that's why I don't fit in so yeah wow thank you for sharing that I think it's so interesting to obviously hear that story and and see where you are now and obviously done a lot since then and obviously a lot of inner work and um, getting that confidence I'm so interested in in knowing between then and you know, doing Miss Universe, what was the catalyst for you to do a pageant? Because you won the title of Miss Universe Australia in 2020. You know, how did you then get to that in those, you know, in those unsure kind of feelings and emotions that you had? How did you get that confidence? Yeah, I think it started to happen in my 20s because I, and I've written about it in my book Unbounded, where I talk about, you know, these 10 actions that I believe if any person you know, follows them, they will manifest change in their life and a life that's beyond limits. And so in the book, I kind of use myself as a case study and I talk about how I, you know, was stuck in many different ways and whether it's with a mental health challenge or, you know, experiencing queer phobia and being closeted, all these things and how I overcame it. And so when it came to Miss Universe, what had started to happen was I'd gotten to a point where I chose my career based on, okay, I'm very ambitious and I've always been ambitious, but it's like, I never even thought a career in media could be for me. I'm like, well, there's no one like me, honestly. You, you, there is not a queer South Asian woman who is on all the networks, who is on morning shows, on night shows, who is writing columns and is just allowed to do that and allowed to be that. So I thought, forget the media career, but I knew I wanted to impact people. So I studied psychology and realizing that might not be for me clinical practice I then went and I did a management degree so after finishing my degrees I worked in corporate and I thought okay I'm, I'm doing the thing I've got the good job I was in a heterosexual relationship at the time and I thought I've got the dream life on the facade like I had the relationship I had the job but I was so deeply unhappy Amber like in my gut in my bones it was just like there's there's something else you need to be doing and ironically the way that 
before we can even get to Miss Universe, it's important to look at what started that shift. And I'm going to say this because so many people looked down on it, but Whilst I was doing my master's at Melbourne Uni, I also decided to do a makeup qualification because no one knew how to do my makeup. And I thought, well, I'll go learn. And I just was following all the beauty bloggers because they were coming up and I loved it. So when I started doing makeup, I started just posting on socials. And this was finally a space where I didn't need permission from anybody to say the thing, do the thing. It's not like traditional TV or magazines. If I want to say something, I'll say it. And I noticed that the more I would be honest and vulnerable, the more other people would come forward and say, oh my God, me too. It's so nice to hear someone say this. And so that was the start of me going, hang on a minute, look at the value in sharing my truth and telling the truth and saying, this is what my experience has been, as opposed to making myself small for somebody else. And so I spent that time starting to explore beauty and having fun with that. And then in 2019, I saw an Indian Australian lawyer win Miss Universe Australia. And that made me check my own internalized misogyny because I was like, wow, I just. I would completely write off other women saying pageantry is an outdated platform, whatever. But here's a person who's come through and I can see already the impact it's had on me. What if I threw my hat in the ring and I did it differently? And so when I competed for Miss Universe Australia, it was lockdown conditions. The only thing I had was my voice and an internet connection. And so I decided that if I was going to do it, I was going to do it on my terms and I would show them, well, if you pick me, this is what you're going to get. And I showed up every week on Instagram Live whilst locked down and I would talk about social issues, political issues, what I believed, my ideas and things that uplifted people. And I was like, this is what I can do. Like, even if I did Miss Universe, I don't have to do somebody else's blueprint of it or do what's already been done. I can do it my way. So the reason I I chose Miss Universe is because it wasn't going to be a conventional path and I had the chance to do it my way and to impact people and to not require permission from people to do it my way. So um, it, it sounds like it doesn't make sense to go from being a really shy, quiet kid who felt underrepresented to then entering pageantry. But ironically, it was like pageantry is a vehicle where I could be what I needed. So that's why I chose it. Yeah. I love that. And I love the way that you explain that. And I'm really interested, you know, during that time doing doing the pageant, did you ever have imposter syndrome or any like self-doubt during that time? Oh, majorly. And, you know, some of it came from myself and, you know, standards of beauty that I've just internalized over the years. But some of it came from other people. And I just took it in because so I'm only five foot three. No, no, I'm not going to say only, but yeah, we're the average height. And I'm, I'm saying only because the average height of people who come through in this universe and in modeling is typically a lot taller. So a lot of people had opinions about that. And it's very silly now that I look at it in retrospect. And I'm like, and I always said height has no bearing on your substance or your capacity for impact. But I remember at the time being a little bit insecure at times. And I would find myself Googling shortest Miss Universes in history, like trying to see, is there someone else out there who's my height, who's done it? But there, there weren't many. And that's why I had to do it. So it shows other people this is actually irrelevant and judging people based on things like this, it needs to stop. But also the fact that I am only the third woman of color to do it in 69 years. I'm very vocal and outspoken about that. It was funny how many people had opinions on my suitability to be the Australian delegate where there was commentary like she's not even Australian. She's she's Miss India, Miss Israel, Miss whatever, but she's not Australian. And it's like, you know, it, it told me, okay, people are looking at you through a lens of race. And for a hot minute, I do 
did buckle under that and I felt like, oh, well, if people are already seeing this now, do I even have a shot in this arena? Like, why would I bother? It's never been done. But just because something's never been done doesn't mean it can't be. And so for me, it ended up, I had a moment where like I did feel like imposter syndrome crept in. But then I also thought you have lived an entire life where you have done the personal work and you were doing the work to get to this point. You cannot buckle now under the pressure because there are so many people who are looking at you and going, you're what I've been waiting for. So I couldn't let them down. And, you know, also for myself, I think to know that I was bigger than what people's words were and what their ideas about me were. So I pushed forward and I did it anyway. And I decided to use that in my campaign and not pretend people weren't being racist and not pretend they weren't being judgmental. But instead of saying, I'm not good enough and letting imposter syndrome sink in, I decided to say, I'm going to shine a light on it. I'm not going to pretend it doesn't exist, but maybe I can use this and tell people, well, this is why I need to be there because people still think this way. Yeah. Yeah, turning it into your power and your mission, which I love. And talking about, I guess, all of that, you recently participated in a coaching session on Power Talks with Kemi Nectapil. What were your main takeaways from that session? I know you got a bit emotional in that session as well, Maria. Oh, yeah. And I didn't, I didn't think that I would. I had said to Kemi, I'm like, okay, I'm going to keep it together and have a really, you know, great conversation. But Kemi, I, I don't know if your audience knows much about Kemi Neck the Pill, but she's an executive and personal coach and is so tremendously talented at interviewing. And she knows how to sit down and, and really get to the heart of somebody's story because she's a coach, right? And it's, you know, she does this through discovery and research and, and observation. She listens. And the kinds of questions she was posing to me required me to really introspect. And I came away feeling safe enough to be honest. But there was a part of me that initially got a little bit sad when I was reflecting on the fact that there were certain things that stripped me of my power as a child. But then there was an element of gratitude to be in a position of looking at it and going, but now I know better so I can do better for myself. And we talked about, and, and we actually had a breakthrough in the session, which I will bring up, which I didn't expect, but Kemi and I were chatting about these childhood experiences that I've been telling you about. And then I was talking about this career that I have and it's like, go, 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 and it's amazing. And I realized that there is a part of that drive and that ambition and that constantly needing to have goals that is rooted in a scarcity mindset from some of the experiences that I had as a kid. And it's like, because I once felt like I didn't belong and like I didn't deserve to be in the spaces that I'm in and things like that. Now that I'm here, it's like, you've got to fight to keep doing it and to earn your keep and to keep, you know, working and moving forward in that way. And that's a scarcity mindset. It's like, you're allowed to rest. And I realized for a little bit over the last two years, since that moment happened with Miss Universe, I've not allowed myself to rest. And it's like, I've had to take every single moment and work to the point of burnout constantly, because I keep telling myself, you need to keep proving that you deserve to be there. It's not easy when you're like, there's not many people like me in the room in the spaces that I take up. And, and I'm very aware of that, that people are like, yes, finally, a South Asian queer woman is on these networks and doing this and doing that. And so I just feel this tremendous responsibility. But it's started to shift to a thing of, well, you have to do everything in your power and sacrifice so much just to deserve to keep it. And I think there's something in that about loving yourself enough to say, you know, you deserve it. You can rest. 
you're good enough. It'll be there. Like, so we had that moment where I was like, oh my God, I've been burning myself into the ground. And shortly after that coaching session, I ended up seeing a doctor for some gut health issues I was having and allowing myself to get treatment and recover. And I'm feeling healthier than I have in a year now. And it's because I sort of allowed myself to slow down. And I like, I had a lot of health issues untreated. And yeah, so I think that was very emotional for that reason, because Kemi didn't just help me uncover, okay, well, what made you feel like your power was stripped? But she helped me realize that there were still manifestations of that happening in my day-to-day life. And I was like, oh my God, it's crazy. Yeah, I guess it's also like having, you know, those opportunities, you're scared to say no because you want to keep your seat at the table, right? Oh yeah, yeah. And the thought of saying no and then possibly thinking that, oh no, like, what if I never get this again, which, you know, is that scarcity mindset. It's so interesting to kind of shift out of that mindset and really be like, I'm allowed to rest. I'm allowed to do things for myself because then I'll come back better than ever. Right. It's all about looking after yourself. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I'm sure, you know, you have moments like that, like you you run your show, like you've got your own busy life. How many of your listeners, like I bet some of you are parents, some of you are career people. And I bet you do that to yourself at times where you don't put yourself first and you're the first thing you're willing to sacrifice to please your job to please your family to please everything and it's like you deserve that too and I think that was a really beautiful thing that came through the coaching because I'd done a neuro coaching qualification a couple years ago I started to do the course and I did halt that so I'm not qualified but one of the most beautiful things they said was a really good coach actually listens they don't tell you what to think they don't you know pose too many questions they even help you sort of shape the questions and Kemi did that and it elicited that sort of journey in the conversation so I hope for other people if you listen to this and if you listen to the episode um it's on it's, it's on Kemi Nekvapil's show Power Talks which is an Audible original podcast only on Audible just you know putting that out there um if you listen to it I think you'll find that there are points that you relate to and it might ask you to introspect in yourself but it's so worth it because I think this is such a universal thing that we do we sacrifice our self often to please others and to meet other obligations when we should be our biggest obligation absolutely you know our our priorities shift and we don't make ourselves a priority right and do you feel like you do that oh my goodness I'm so bad with that I'm a yes person and um yeah I say yes to anything that comes my way and you know I've been burnt out quite a few times and I'm currently in a space right now where everything in my life is up in the air and I don't know what's next for the first time in my life and it's scary, but I need this time to for myself and to rest and to figure myself out. So I, I feel like that all the time. Yeah. All the time. But I'm trying to implement more self-care and wellness strategies. Your awareness of that is amazing though. Your awareness of it is amazing. So just like what your listeners, like if any of you are sitting here going, oh my God, me too. Shit, me too. <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah. the fact that you're aware of it is already a really good step because you just keep it at the forefront of your mind and, and try not to guilt yourself, you know. I'm sure you've got beautiful things ahead, Amber. Oh, thanks. Man. I'm sure. Thank you. I hope so. Um, Another thing I got out of your coaching session on Power Talks, which I found really interesting, and I want to dive into that with you a little bit more, Maria, is that you spoke about, you know, to survive and to fit in. At a young age, you started wearing white makeup, blue contacts, and bleaching your hair. How has your perception of the beauty industry and your own definition of what beauty is, how has that changed 
since then? Well, a really interesting way to frame it is to think about, I'm going to talk through an analogy of social media. So when I was growing up in the beauty standard was the blonde head, blue eyed, beach babe, fair skin. That's, you know, that was it. But now we've seen a shift where people are glorifying tan skin, big lips when once they were made popular by, you know, Kylie Jenner and, and, and a lot of white celebrities. And I'm saying this because these beauty standards are rooted in Eurocentricity and now we're changing it. So all of a sudden, features that I used to get picked on for, like literally told that my skin was dirty and the color of it was a disgusting brown, not a beautiful golden brown, like really hurtful derogatory things and being made fun of for having bigger lips. Um, well, it's funny, like people used to make fun of me for it. So I would actually put foundation on my lips growing up because I wanted them to not stand out that much and foundation sort of just made it like more neutral. Um, so, and, and this is the thing, like people will sit here and go like, oh my God, like I wouldn't even think to do that. But that's what it was like when you literally hate the way you look. And then I got older and the beauty standards changed and all of a sudden it was cool to, to look like this. But the thing was, I would then get told, oh, but you've got probably got lip fillers and, you know, where, like, do you tan at all? And it's like, like people couldn't even get their head around that actually this is natural to you as a person of color. And it's like, it all it told me was that, yes, these features are popularized because now they're made popular on white bodies and, and bodies that it's not common to. Um, but it, it never made me feel beautiful because it's always like, it's not you it's when someone has taken your skin tone and made it popular or if someone's taken features like big lips or dark brows or whatever, it's made it popular. But it's not on you that it's loved. And so one thing that I learned very quickly is that if I'm going to put my ability to like how I look in what's popular in the beauty standards and what everybody's celebrating in, you know, the compliments because right now it's the in look, then the minute it changes, my sense of self-worth is just as fragile as these standards and so I started to change how I felt about my skin my hair all around my mid-20s because in my early 20s I was wearing blue eye contacts white makeup I had blonde hair and the crazy thing is all those changes were really gradual from say 15 to about 20 and at the time I would say things like oh I'm just experimenting with my look I just look better with blue eye contacts I just look better with blonde hair but I didn't realize that I was trying to compress myself into beauty standards and look like you know have skin that wasn't mine have a look that wasn't mine I started to stop doing the, the skin color changing thing and, and just embrace my dark skin 23 24 25 great my hair was the last thing that I it took me to embrace and it was up until last year where I was still dyeing my hair caramel and I remember just saying like, oh, it just works with my skin tone. I love it. And I watched myself on a Today Show segment when I first got that gig. And I saw myself sitting on the couch with this hair that looked blonde. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm still doing it. I'm still doing it. This is not actually about that hair looking good on me because that doesn't look good. <laughs> it's me trying to look like what I thought I needed to be to be on television. And I thought if I've worked to get myself on those couches, I'm going to be on there with brown skin and dark hair so that the other people who needed who need to see this representation they will see themselves when they look on tv and I dyed my hair back dark um and that was the last thing that I did and it's like now if I want to get highlights or do those things it's going to come from a place of I'm appreciating something different but it's not because I'm inherently rejecting myself or my features and I'm I'm comfortable I appreciate um the vessel I've been given 
And I bet the beauty standards will change again as they do. One minute curvy bodies were in, now they're trying to tell you to be thin again. And it's like, I just want to be healthy. If I'm healthy, my body is doing everything it can for me. That is it. That's all I care about. Hey, just dropping in to share this week's news and what's trending. Center Group has recorded low growth in retailers in the categories of fashion, department stores, and footwear for the second half of the financial year compared to the prior period. The biggest drop in jewelry was at 5.4%, department stores 2.2%, fashion 3%, and footwear at 6%. Versace has completely wiped their Instagram clean with speculation by fans that they're coming back with a rebrand. The luxury fashion brand's parent company, Capri Holdings, was acquired by Tapestry Inc., which is the parent company of brands like Coach and Kate Spade. Hayley Bieber's beauty brand, Road has announced its first partnership with none other than Krispy Kreme. Yes, you heard that correctly. They'll be bringing out a new flavour of her much-loved peptide lip treatment in the shade Strawberry Glaze. It's all inspired by Krispy Kreme's iconic Strawberry Glaze donut. And I feel like if there's one thing we know about Hayley Bieber is that she is loving all things glazed donuts. I mean, we all jumped on the nail trend, right? The new lip treatment will be launching on August 28th. Back in Australia now and the Quick Flick has released a new product. Quick Glow 2-in-1 Gradual Tan Serum Spray is a world first. It combines a gradual tan and facial serum in one that builds a natural looking tan with every use while leaving skin hydrated, plump and soft. It's also said to be fast drying, clear and requires no rubbing in. Now for what's trending this week and the latest fashion trend to go gangbusters on TikTok is the coquette aesthetic. Now you're probably wondering what that is and look with 1.3 billion views on TikTok and counting it's a surprise that you don't already know. So the coquette aesthetic references the Victorian Regency era and is also heavily influenced in pop culture with hit show Bridgerton. In terms of how you go about Styling this trend, think milkmaid tops, tights, ruffles, baby doll dresses, and pastel colors. And also, don't forget, lots of pink. Absolutely. And what advice or yeah tips would you give to anyone who might be struggling with that, who might be like, I feel like I need to look this way or, you know, I'm feeling that pressure. What advice would you give to someone, especially a younger person who is kind of stuck in that mindset? I think that the, you can say everything that you want, but what I would say to anyone who's stuck in that is diversify the kind of people you're looking at and consuming content from. I just did, um, so for example, I, I was speaking on, I, I did it. I hosted the project last night and there was a roundtable discussion on body image and health and they had 
such diverse people on that round table, including a body positivity activist that is a friend of mine, April Helene. Um, important she is known as the Bodzilla. And I guess like just consuming content from people like that who blatantly defy what the world tells you about how you should look. You see them loving their skin, showing up as themselves and absorbing messages like that. I would say be very, very careful who you're listening to and choose to listen to people who get you to change the way you think about differences and about beauty. And one really important thing I will say that Kemi um, often says and that she said to me in our coaching session, we were talking about our story and we both had a moment where we kind of just felt a little bit emotional about these hard things that we've been through. And so for your listeners who might be having a hard time or they've got a hard story or they've had a hard go at learning to love themselves, Kemi often says, my story is not my excuse, it's my why. So if you've been in that place where you have been at rock bottom, if you've been at that place where you've been made to feel like you're not enough use that use that to change what your future looks like your past does not have to define your future and yeah and and choose to take in messaging from people who are going to help you grow and thrive I love that Maria that is the most wonderful advice and you articulate yourself so well and I think my listeners will really appreciate that and thank you so much for sharing that because that is so valuable and we need to hear more of that we need to see more of that thank you I'm really keen to talk to you a little bit more about fashion and beauty yes this is you know Fashion Avenue is a fashion and beauty podcast and we like to celebrate all things fashion and beauty no matter what you look like what size you are whatever um we welcome all of it yes So, you know, you work with some incredible brands in the fashion and beauty space. How would you describe your own personal style? Because I love everything you wear. I'm like obsessed. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Do you know what's so funny? Like my personal style, I I just want to tell a little story. In 2020, right after I won Miss Universe, I remember I, I got my first big gig and it was like an ambassadorship for the Australian Open. And it was the first time I'd ever worked with a stylist because she was styling me for this campaign. She was just amazing. She She was a mum, she was a woman of colour, she was so kind to me. And I remember when I was talking to her, I was like, I'm so new to Miss Universe. I'm so excited to be like in media. I'm so excited to be styled because I don't have all these expensive clothes. I don't have the means to obtain them, but I want to show up and, and look good. And she's like, I've already got the read on what your fashion is. Your vibe is like, it's like Zendaya. It's like cool girl vibes. Like this is where we're going to get you. Her name is Maggie Smith and she is still my personal stylist three years later and she gets it. And so she knows that with my style now, and I think it reflects my personal growth as a human. Um, my personal style is a really beautiful mix of both feminine and masculine energy. It depends on how I'm feeling and what I want to amp up. Sometimes it is super femme and sexy and sometimes it's mask and it's like just a more dominating energy and it's a little bit more, you know, um, but it's also very daring and it's very sensual. And I think there's a real power and confidence to it. I love, and it's taken me a long time to sort of show up in the skin and be like, yes, this is who I am. I'm good enough as I am. And now I like to just show up in the body that I've been given and be confident in that and have fun with my style. It's never the same thing. Maggie and I, every time we get an event or a brief or I'm going somewhere, we say, how can we shake it up? How can we do it differently? How can we push it a little bit more? Because for me, fashion is a way of just, it's an extension of yourself. It's saying who you are. And so that's my style. I would sum it up by saying it's a beautiful mix of masculine and feminine energy. It's bold, it's powerful, it's sensual, and it's whatever I feel like in on in that moment. Yeah, I'm a little bit like you in that, in that way. I like to dress 
masculine and feminine. And I've always loved, you know, um, wearing, you know, jeans and a t-shirt, but then also wearing like a cute little dress that is showing like a bit of side boob and legs. And, you know, I really appreciate that sort of style. So I really gravitate to, yeah, what you and Maggie create together. I absolutely love it. It's so, it's something I would wear as well. So I think that. I love that. Yeah, I absolutely love everything you wear. And I think it was when you went to, um, was it the NGV Gala? I loved that dress. You looked incredible. The black the black gown? Yeah, incredible. That was one of my all-time favorite looks I've ever done. Shout out to Cornelio who did a custom gown for me. And the great thing is like a lot of these designers that I'm so grateful to have these relationships with will do custom things together. So they can be our input. Like Maggie and I will say, hey, do you want to try this? Let's do a metal breastplate. Let's try this. And it's like, okay. Let's give it a go. And I think that way fashion is, it's its a collaboration where it's, yes, it's a designer's work, but it's bringing who you are and your vision too. So it really is you wearing and owning a look, you know? I love that so much. That's probably my favorite look of yours. And a bit of on the beauty and skincare side, is there a product that you can't live without no matter what that you always have to use or you repurchase? Is there one product that you're like, I will never part with this for as long as I live? Yes, 100%. I can tell you literally right now, there are probably, okay, there are probably, there are probably two. One is my Olay Super Serums. So I don't know if you've ever used it, but it's the niacinamide it's like dewy it's called like the dewy glow which is easier but it's got niacinamide in it when I've worn this I won't wear anything else on my skin other than that it literally is luminous it's beautiful it's super hydrating um and I've been wearing Olay products for three years now they've just been phenomenal on my skin and then the other one that I would say which is one that I wear as a good primer before makeup because it just changes the texture of makeup once it's on is the Clinique um, Auto Replenishing Hydrator. It's a very long <laughs> name, but it's like 72 hours. And so it's almost like a jelly. Oh, wow. I love that. But when you put it on, it looks like you've got glass skin. Nice. It's amazing. I haven't tried any of those. Super hydrating. And for me, it's like skin. Try it, try it, try it. Trust me. Because for me, like I used to be all makeup when I was younger and obsessed with makeup. And that was the highest, that was the most important thing. But as I've gotten older, I realized your skin prep and your skin care, that is more important. And please don't not wear an SPF. <laughs> That's another one. Please wear your SPF. Oh, thank you. We needed to hear that. I am all for the SPF. I am like yes. crazy for the SPF. So thank you for saying that, Maria. So important. Crazy for SPF. And in winter too. Yes, winter. Just because you think the sun's not out, arguably it's a little bit harsher. So yeah, that UV index is rife. So you've got to be careful. I will say I've had a laser, just for anyone who's interesting, I've had a laser called a Pico laser and it looks at the amount of sun damage in your skin and it can also start to like tack it away and any hyperpigmentation and things like that. I've had it three times now over the last year and a half. So like every six months, it's pretty phenomenal. Wow, okay. I've had a few sunspots that had come up on my skin and just conscious of them growing like little like freckles or like mole-like things that are not really seen and it gets rid of them it's my my skin texture is like luminous after I've had it done and for a while it's pretty good yeah yeah I love that I love beauty treatments speaking of do you have any beauty treatments that you like to do whether it's like a regular facial or a massage or getting acupuncture or whatever it is well it's pico so I don't do any other facials wow 
I like I don't get any other facials I don't and I don't even really do LED or anything like that the only time I did a red LED face mask sort of treatment was right after my pico laser because it does irritate the skin for a little bit I had a little bit of petechiae which is like where the blood vessels the blood pools in the skin yeah and so it makes your skin purge a bit so for a week I was a bit inflamed and so to help speed up the healing process I went and I had the red LED four days later my skin just calmed down it smoothed you know everything out and and it sped up the healing process wow so I'll just go and get pico now for maintenance once a year but everybody's different and, and that's what my dermatologist has sort of said to me based on my unique needs and I used to have pretty bad hormonal and comedogenic acne and she treated it. That's me. Yeah, she treated it two and a half years ago. And now I just don't really do very much, just good skincare. And I get that that facial once a year. Wow, that's amazing. I'll have to try that as well. Oh my God, Maria, you're like making me go, oh my God, I need to try that. I need to try that. I'm like one of those people that will try anything. Yes. Yeah. It's so good. And I'm not somebody who's like, oh, try this, try that. And I never talk about any other facial treatment because I'm not somebody who just will try anything and potentially like traumatize my skin barrier for nothing. Like it's all about retaining the integrity of your skin barrier. So for me, this this laser that I get, it's just, and it's really good for people of color, by the way. So if you're somebody with darker skin, it's really good for us. Um, and it also just brings out any congestion in your skin and helps clear it. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Thanks for that recommendation, Maria. Love that. You're welcome. I want to um, ask you a few quick fire questions in fashion and beauty. Yes. Okay. Number one, best beauty tip you've been given? Take off your makeup before you sleep. Oh, amen. <laughs> please. And do a skin. Please do a good, just just moisturizer even, but take off that makeup before you sleep. Absolutely. I agree. The last beauty or skincare product you finished. Oh, the um, Clinique Auto Replenishing Hydrator. I literally had to scoop the sides of the barrel this morning to put the tiniest bit on, but I'm like, I will not waste a drop. <laughs> yep. Amazing. Um, Your favorite scent to wear? Oh. It's torn between two, but it's either C by Giorgio Armani. That's my favorite. No! Or, <laughs> or My Way by Giorgio Armani. I haven't tried My Way. Oh, my God. You'd love it. And I also, you know what? I'm going to throw on C Passione as well. Those three are my favorite. I do like that one. I do. Is that the red bottle? Amazing. Yeah. I have that. Yep. It's nice. It's good. I think you're going to like my way. If we're vibing over these two, you're going to like my way as well. Oh my God, amazing. I really like Black Opium by YSL. I don't know if you tried that one. That's quite nice. Yeah, that's a good one. No, I like that one too. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. And what's your go-to hair product? Because you have incredible hair. Thank you. I have a few. I'm, I'm going to say two. Okay, so one of them is more like long-term caring for your hair and the other one is just a nice like after your shower put in this treatment if you've never used k18 get on it oh tiktok loves k18 okay well my so i had a hairdresser recommended to me and she said every other month especially because i heat style and you know sometimes get a few face framing like baby lights the damage is real so once a month i will stop using conditioner when i wash my hair shampoo only and then i will put k18 in after my shower leave it in for four minutes then I'll add another product or, or blow dry it or whatever. Um, and it just really repairs and, and, and restores like the structure of your hair, the integrity, any damage. It's so good and helps it grow. My second product is the 11 Miracle, the... Um, the 11 miracle um, treatment you spray it in after your shower 
It's got 11 benefits and I've been using that since I was like, I'm going to say like 23 years old. Nice. I love like a hair conditioner that you put on after you wash your hair. Like I will never, ever come out of a shower after washing my hair and not spray something in it. Like, yeah, I can't. Something in it. And you can tell when you've done it. It's so funny. Like my best friend is also my hairstylist and she knows when I put a certain product in it, she can feel how different it is. So yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. It goes to show that it works. And what was your first ever fashion splurge? I don't treat myself and like I don't buy really expensive things for myself unless it's tied to like a milestone or something like that. And I remember turning 25 years old. I think I had just completed at the time a commercial internship. So I was I was not making a lot of money um, but I saved for like two years and I bought myself a Louis Vuitton um, crossbody and I remember feeling so bougie when I was in the store and a little bit like look at me just at Louis Vuitton took me a while to save for it but I was just really proud of myself that I'd worked to that point I'm like you know I've worked I've just done this internship I'm excited about my master's this is for me and that's when I decided like I'm never going to be somebody who just for me personally I don't just buy this stuff and just accumulate it so I really then you know for example I bought myself a pair of Benolo Blonix shoes and it was when I got my book deal and I'm a very big Sex in the City fan, Carrie Bradshaw. Very Carrie Bradshaw of you, <laughs> I was about to say. And I said, I'm going to wear it to my book launch and then I got nominated for columnist of the year. So I wore it for that. So it's like little things like that where there's significant things tied to it. But it was my it was my first Louis Vuitton bag at 25 and I felt very, you know, proud of myself for it. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love you. Yeah doing the milestones I think that's really nice and something yeah for yourself because we always I think we always forget about ourselves yeah and I think it and and it doesn't have to be a designer thing like you know also in this economy like I think it's so fair that you know for me I'm just I'm just very conscious of like you know how I like to spend my money and and wanting to do things for my parents and I wasn't raised having designer stuff or, or seeing like a lot of wealth in that way it's not something I grew up in so I think I just have a real appreciation for the value of money I'd rather spend my money on my family but I do think it's important to honor you know yourself and treat yourself and there's nothing wrong with enjoying a little material win every now and again and tying it to something significant so yeah absolutely I know I really appreciate that sort of stuff as well you know I've never seen anything designer growing up either so you know it's yeah it's nice to appreciate those little wins I think so and favorite color to wear red (laughs) I don't know I normally wear neutrals (laughs) but if I have to pick a color I'm gonna say red it's very confident and bold yeah nice favorite Aussie fashion brand Ooh, oh that's hard that's really hard I, I can't say one I can't and do you know why it's because I have a few like Australian designers who represent so much of like what Australia is to me and I just love them all like I can think of Cornelio I can think of Jason Gretsch I can think of and it's often designers who have started with you know not much and they represent different parts of our community and I just I love them for who they are and what they stand for and what they've been able to achieve so I think when it comes to Aussie brands I just really appreciate those where you can see like that's the Aussie story you know yeah I love that and one trend that you can't get around the thin eyebrows again I won't do it to myself (laughs) I won't I they I plucked them till they were and this is gonna horrify you but I fully thought I'd cracked a hack or something when I plucked my brows till they were just a toothpick's thickness I would not just stop there 
I would get a black mascara wand, comb it through them and then pinch them to make them as thin as possible. Oh my God, Maria. That was my hack. Like I couldn't even just let it be that there were no brows. I had to really just let you know that they're a line. And people would say like, hey girl, like do you think maybe you might wanna fill them in a little bit? I'm like, no, actually thin brows really suit me. So I don't need your opinion. <laughs> Famous last words. <laughs> no. No, so never again. <laughs> That's a good one. And finally, what's next on the cards for you, Maria? Well, have a few exciting things coming up. Firstly, please go and listen to my episode with Kemi on Power Talks because that chat was just everything. But I may or may not have a little fashion-related announcement coming up this year and a couple of show-related announcements and might be making my acting debut. I don't know. Am I? Oh, my God. Am I? I don't know. <laughs> it's fun. It's like, you know what's coming up next to me? It's I am making younger Maria very proud. And I think we're going to start the episode by acknowledging her and I'm going to end the episode by honoring her. And I'm just being that girl who changed her mind on her career every single week in her little journal at eight years old. I'm being her, except I haven't changed my mind. I've just built a career that lets me do all the things I love. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And Maria, I just do a few, three random questions with my guests before I let them go. Oh, yeah. So, Number one, who is one woman that inspires you in the media landscape and why? Oprah Winfrey. And Oprah Winfrey inspires me because I love how she has been able to take her own lived experiences and then use it to inspire service in her career. And her career now, it's literally that. It's service-oriented. It gives a platform to others. It uplifts others. And she teaches other people how to turn pain into power. And that for me is everything I hope to do and more. It's everything that say Kemi does. Um, and just being connected to women like that, they inspire me. So yeah. I love that so much. That's lovely. And you can only listen to one song for the rest of your life. What one is it and why? If I could only listen to one song and why, it would be Body Oddy Oddy by Megan The Stallion because there are many songs I love. But that song, I rehearsed my Miss Universe swim walk to that song. Nothing gets me going. I could be depressed. I could be <laughs> sad, lethargic, anything. You play that song, I will resurrect. So <laughs> that's like the energy. That is a vibe. I, I stand. I just stand. Please go, please go listen to it after and think of me. I will. I love that song. It's actually on my playlist. So now I'm just going to think of you, Maria. Yes. So that's incredible. I was not expecting that, but I, I support it. <laughs> And finally, let's talk about Crocs, the shoe. Are we a yes or a no and why? We're a hell no. <laughs> no offense. I'm sorry, Crocs. Like this. No, actually, just for me though, I can appreciate a Croc from afar objectively on someone else. Like people pull it off. You can't do it to yourself. Well, you know, it, yeah, yeah. Maybe. Oh, I just on me, I just don't think I could. I just don't think I could do it. <laughs> They're not for me. But although I do see the practicality of them, you know, I can admire from afar. I'm a, I'm a far away fan, but never, never someone who would, <laughs> I'm sorry. That's so funny. I was the same and I only got my first pair. I was very reluctant. Should I try them? I got, I got sent my first, you need to go try them because I was shocked. Wait, imagine this like, but imagine this is like sponsored by Croc and they're like listening to me and they're like blacklist her. <laughs> Listen, Croc, if you're listening, I'm open to you changing my mind. <laughs> yeah, 
Yes. They're so comfy, Maria. They feel like you're walking on air and I can't believe it because I've been anti-croc my whole life. So. Well, do you know what? I Maybe I need that because I, for example, had to wear heels all day yesterday when I was shooting. My groin hurts today from that. <laughs> Because it because it, it moves, like the muscles are all connected and I get very sore legs and a sore groin when I wear heels. And so maybe I need to try Crocs. Your life might be changed. I might just be changing your life by endorsing that. So I think you might. I think you might. I'm looking... Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Good. Well, Maria, thank you so much for coming on Fashion Avenue. You've been so fabulous and I've loved hearing from you and learning about your chat on Power Talks and everything that's coming up for you. So thank you. Oh, thank you, my love. It has been my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks for the laughs. And I know that good things are ahead for you. I cannot wait to see it all unfold. Thank you so much for listening to Fashion Avenue. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. To stay up to date with all things Fashion Avenue and the latest happenings, you can follow us on Instagram and sign up to our newsletter. All the links are down below and I'll catch you in the next episode of Fashion Avenue.